I'm surprised I wasted a lot of money on you. I, that's dumb. That was, um, well, here we go to uh, Happy Holidays. Happy Holidays. Many more. Wrong, but good. Wrong, but good. So, this will be our last episode of the podcast for 2021, and I thought we could look at some things that are traditionally done at year-end, just some data and some interesting things that we may we may have been able to find relating to the end of the year and sort of related to what we do, kind of okay. related to what we do. Shoot. So, I know I sent you some of the things that I thought we might chat about today. Uh, some secondary research, not primary, although we will, I do want to introduce some primary research that we, or piece of the primary research results that we did into this conversation at some point. But secondary research, meaning we went out and we looked at some things that other companies or organizations, as, they, as our friends north of the border would say, conducted. And so two in particular relating to Christmas time, holiday time, end of the year. So one of the studies was conducted by a company called Statista. I'm not sure if that's the proper pronunciation. It's a, a European company and they, they have huge databases and they do some survey research on a, a lot of different topics. And they did a year-end study that was actually conducted in November, and they asked a thousand, a little more than a thousand respondents. I'm not sure of the methodology of where they recruit these respondents from. Uh, I just looked at a, a top-line sort of summary of this research. Uh, it was just sort of interesting, but U.S. citizens ages 18 plus, wide-ranging topics related to end of the year and holiday. And just some interesting facts. I don't know, did you, you saw what I had sent you about this? I did. Yeah, so a couple of things that sort of jumped out at me that the, first of all, that the average amount US consumers plan to spend on holiday gifts, Christmas gifts was $886 this year. So, Obviously, I don't know of the complete range of ages that they directed these surveys uh, that, that respondents who responded to the survey, but the average was 886. And I, I would think- How that did that compare to previous um, years? So, well, this was interesting. They 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 described it in the summer report, report that 75% of respondents said they plan to spend the same or more than last year. So I would imagine that if you dig into the data set, you have to buy it as a subscription. Yeah, right. You'd find right. more, but that was- an, it would be a lot more useful if you knew the percentage of the same and the percentage of more. It wasn't all that interesting to me. It was based on what we were going to do, but it was sort of interesting that that's how they, they yeah. framed the uh, yeah. summary report. And they expect year-over-year year growth of sales for just holiday shopping, Christmas shopping, uh, retail sales at 843 billion again U.S. And that's 
projected to be up 8.5% over last year. The, the one thing that I don't know, and again, wasn't worth diving into for the sake of this conversation. So I, I don't know whether the sample that they used, the thousand, I think it was 1,018 respondents to the survey. Uh, I don't know if it's projectable to the U.S. population, meaning if it's representative right. of all right. the ages, uh, geography, income, and other demographics. We don't know that. Uh, and I, I don't know if that information is available in the full data set. But one of the things that jumped out at me that suggests that it might not be is they said that the share of U.S. consumers planning to buy most of their gifts at Walmart is 49%. <laughs> Does that make any sense to you? Um, I, I saw that and I reacted the same way when I read it. Obviously, I look at these things with a critical eyes to how a critical methodology. I, I'm always looking at that. You know that I'm, I'm always looking to see whether things were done the right way. And there was another thing that sort of jumped out at me also. And they said there was a question that was asked, do you celebrate Christmas, the holiday season this year? First of all, again, it's not, a, it's not an American company. So I don't know if there's, if this is lost in translation somehow. I was, I was gonna say when you were reading that question, it's very poorly worded. So maybe if there is a translation issue, that's why it's coming across as so poorly worded. Yeah, it seemed to say that that's how it was worded. But first of all, it was done in early November, right around November 10th, I believe. So are you celebrating or will you celebrate would probably have been better phrasing if if in fact this was the phrasing. But they offered three choices. It seems they offered three choices. Yes, no, and don't know. So again, to the point of properly framing and setting up a question, 85% of Americans in their response to their survey said yes, 10% said no, and don't know said 5%. So again, if this was asked in the present tense, because it says, do you celebrate? Why, do, why wouldn't somebody know? <laughs> yeah, I mean, you, you have to qualify it maybe as well with COVID. I mean, let's let's say there's a surge in COVID of an arc of, of the week before Thanksgiving. That's gonna change the answers? To 100%. That? You're, yeah. See, I'm, uh, you're giving them the benefit of the doubt on the, the freezing of how it's done. I'm not, I'm just, I just, I don't know, I have a problem. I'm not, I'm not giving the benefit. I don't, I don't like the way it was done. I, but I'm giving, I'm giving the benefit of the doubt to the answers. Okay. Possibly, All right. you know. Okay. But I guess it's very optimistic and what does celebrate mean? Celebrate can mean getting together in the, in a group like you did in 2019 and before with could be a large extended family or friends, mm -hmm. or it could have been like in 2020 for, for a lot of people where it was via uh, Zoom or FaceTime or some other video chat technology, video phone technology. So again, I don't know what that means. What is- Yeah, that's, that's so badly worded because- I don't know. They're obviously looking for 
answers that would help. They probably want to know, are you going to go back to the traditional way to celebrate Christmas or are you going to either not or do a Zoom call or, you know, not. I guess. You know, yeah, let's, just, I guess like, let's just move on. So anyway, I sent you another one that we're going to look at, and that's Think with Google, which is Google's consumer research or market research division. I don't know if it's a division. I don't know how it's set up, but they certainly have folks who are looking at the data that they're gathering and they're gathering it in a different way than than we do for our clients as well as how statista or stat statista is right. doing it which is survey research and we'll get into that in a second but in looking around for things to to talk about today and look look at today one that i didn't know existed is something called the pnc Christmas price index, PNC being the big banking, uh, the big mm -hmm. bank in the United States, one of the big banks in the United States. So apparently for 38 years, PNC has calculated the prices of the 12 gifts from the classic holiday song. Oh, I've heard that every year, yeah. 12 yeah. days of Christmas. Right. And uh, they say it's a, a whimsical holiday tradition and they adjusted for the price of labor and the cost of labor and other things that might make up some of the, the cost of some of these. So yeah, yeah. overall, isn't it, go ahead. isn't it like $900? No, 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 no. So, all right, let's play a game. All right. On the first day of Christmas, what did my true love give to me? Do you remember? Uh, Come on, a partridge in a pear tree. So, this year, the cost of a partridge in a pear tree, according to their index, is $222.68. Oh my God. Which is up 6%, and that's because of, entirely due to the rising costs of the Christmas tree, or of the tree. So the total cost for all 12 is $41,205.58, up 5.7%. Silly. Very silly. So anyway, let's go back to something that's more real, and that would be the Think with Google information. So I thought we'd talk about the travel-related, two things, travel-related things that they found and the lasting effects of COVID, which will tie into the survey that we did with uh, hospitality professionals from a few weeks back. So the interesting thing about the way Google does things is they're not going out and asking questions. They're just processing all the information that's coming in, right. meaning they are just taking, they're just capturing all the search queries that we're all doing every day. All, all the people all over the world are, are searching for stuff. And based on those searches, they can detect trends. So for instance, relating to travel, up. So is is there an issue with the fact that if Google analyzes all your searches about travel mm -hmm. and determines what you're interested in, but you don't go? Yes. I mean, so, okay, to that point. And that relates to any kind of search, you know? Of course it does, but it, it does say something that. So for instance, in 2021, the increases, there was an increase 
of people searching for international travel, the term international travel appeared somewhere in the search was up 300%. So in 2020, there was some amount, there were some number of searches and in 2021, it went up 300%. Does that mean that international travel went up 300% to your point? Absolutely not, but there's more interest in it. And right. whether it means that currently there's that there's a significant amount of more international travel or it, or it foreshadows good things happening coming up, there is some value in knowing that, right? I, I don't think you can make dollar projections on sales based on that but especially not these times no because things can change very quickly they change overnight yes similarly there was an incre increase in searches looking for hotel booking apps that that increased by that, that dollar was of 100 percent. so again people are starting to look at the idea of right. booking hotels Twice as, now, many, okay. twice as many as last year. Do a little psychology on that. Okay. They're looking to book, they're looking at booking hotels or they're looking at hotel options and stuff. Mm -hmm. Is it because that they are ready to pull the trigger and ready to get out there and book a hotel? Is it because they're, you know, just um covid shocked and they're they're just sitting around they're looking for things to search for they're looking at things of interest you know it, it, i think all of that plays into it i mean we do know we do know from the other data that we've we've looked at over the last year travel is has increased significantly since the certainly the early part of the pandemic and hotel stays are up they fluctuated a little bit here and there but uh, I think it 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 doesn't again. You can't. It, it's just trends. I, I think that that's what they they see here. Right. Overall trends. No, I hear you. But but trends they have to be qualified. You have to understand what you're looking at. For example, the statistic came out recently that um, airline flights are ninety some odd percent full now during the last three, four, five months. Okay. Okay. The airlines cut back 30% of their flights. Right. So are they full because there's not enough choices for people or not as many as there used to be? Yes. And they go where they have, you know, they get on the plane they have to get on to get where they're going. Yeah, but there's going to be a balance. I mean, at yeah, some point, at I some just, point. I, I, I'm sorry, I just don't like when, when the statistics are given and the whole picture is not shown at the same time. And you can infer things from statistics, you know, as you know, as a market researcher your whole life, you can interpret the data any way, any way that you'd like. Uh, you can, you shouldn't. <laughs> I push that. I'm just saying. You no, you're, you're a hundred percent right. Like, and that's a, that's always been in, in any, in any use of metrics or statistics, you have to make sure that it's, it's accurately representing, um, what a it's supposed to do and b your use of that metric or statistic it has to be um pertinent or applicable right and so you know to your point you know you got to know what's behind it with the airlines uh, so if, if you to look at it in a vacuum to say that okay flights are now mostly full 
is this a good time to start a new airline? Because you know, there's no, all the airlines are full. Like there's, there's, there's demand for another airline. Maybe probably not, (laughs) but because you don't know the full picture, you have to make sure the statistic describes accurately what you're looking at, the business problem. Perfect example, analytics and baseball. I, I was gonna. I, it was in the back of my mind, but I'll let we you. We both go. hate analytics and baseball. They're very useful at times. They're even interesting, but you know what? If analytics worked like the analytics people want them to, they would work a hundred percent. There would be no reason for a manager at all. They would work one hundred percent. But there are factors involved that just you have to consider along with the analytics. Well, again, the statistics in baseball describe things that already happened you, you only you're you in any case that you're you're looking at data you're, you're you're looking at historical data and you're hoping that your models project that it's going to give you a future result right but the problem is it doesn't the the, the what happened in the past doesn't necessarily always translate into yeah, what happened. there are variables today that affect it you know it's Right. I mean, it, to use to to follow through on what you said about baseball, you know, there's psychology. These are human beings, right? So, if we know that, uh, you know, look at one of the best playoff baseball players of all time, in, in near and dear to your heart, the New York Yankees, Derek Jeter. So, if if you had one, if you had one at bat, bottom of the ninth seventh game of the world series man on third two outs and you needed somebody to get the hit statistically he i I think he might be one of the guys that you would choose but if you knew that he if you knew something else was going on with him yeah he had he was he had a stomach virus the night before or he the the plane was late got mechanical trouble he got in at 4 a.m i mean there's so many factors that might affect that one moment correct and that's why an experienced in that case an experienced baseball manager might buck the trend of what the analytics would say you can't rely just on the numbers in that particular yeah that's true you know that's true here you gotta you have to make sure you have a complete picture and some of these things and yes machine learning and artificial intelligence is definitely doing a better job but it's not 100%. And the other thing is like, so if you go on to think with Google, uh, again, they, they qualify their own their own findings also, because if you go through it, there's a, there's a report, you can look it up. We'll put a link to where you can find this on, their, on Google's website or site, I should say. It's called the Year in Search 2021. And there's seven sections, I believe, covering a wide range of topics and there's all there's there are counter trends or contradictory trends i would say that they would find and again this points to what we're just talking about that that business managers have to look at all the data and ultimately decide what's the more important thing here so so you know you're seeing that searches for travel obviously are up but you're also seeing that there's a lot of searches for things nearby. So you're seeing 
people are still looking to stay close to home for a lot of it. So, you know, what's more important? One of the things that, and, and this will be a good segue into some of the primary research that we did with hospitality professionals, is that in 2021, there was a 400% increase in searches for takeout restaurants, showing that uh, whether this is going to continue well into the future or it's still the result of the fact that the pandemic is still ongoing and uh, it's obviously morphed into a different phase and, and we don't know how long this will last and what comes next, but a fourfold increase is a significant one in looking for takeout restaurants. And there was also a four 400% increase in searches containing the phrase, open now near me. So again, pointing to the idea that people are looking to stay closer to home perhaps. So the, I, I guess one of the things that we all have to try to figure out going forward is what are the lasting effects of, of, of the pandemic of, of COVID and the changes to business that we've seen. And as I mentioned, we did, we did our primary research. We've done it a couple of times now with hospitality professionals, asking them questions related to a, a, a variety of topics. And obviously in this edition for the first time, we asked them about things that they changed to reopen and or uh, continue to operate because we there are there were places there were hotels and, and certainly restaurants that were operating have been operating throughout so we did ask in that survey how much the how much hospitality professionals agreed with the statement hospitality health and safety protocols changed by covid 19 will be important for the foreseeable future how how much do you agree with that statement and it was interesting to see that 33% strongly agreed. I'll put the, the graph, the pie graph, pie chart up so you can see it visually for those who are watching the video of this. So 33% said strongly agree, 33% said somewhat agree. So that's two thirds of the people either strongly or somewhat agreed. 17% were neutral, meaning they didn't necessarily know for sure. And only 17% said somewhat disagree and nobody said strongly disagree. So certainly of the, we did, it's 239 respondents feel that there are lasting effects of that. And I think, you know, we talked, we talked about an article that appeared in the New York times a few weeks ago, talking about what is the design legacy of COVID. It's a New York times article, I'll put the link in the description below. You have to have a subscription to actually um, read the article. But it's very interesting. It was in their tech and design issue. Just what are the lasting effects? What will be the lasting effects? And they talked about things like touchless check-in for rest for hotels specifically, uh, menus that are not um, physical menus anymore. In a lot of cases, we're using QR codes, which is interesting. QR codes sort of never caught on in a great way. They've been around for a long time but they sort of got reinvented for during COVID for menus and other ways of connecting information because people can scan them with their smartphones and 
linked to websites and payment apps and all kinds of things. So that was, they talk about a lot of things like that that will probably survive the end of the pandemic whenever that may oh, I think the QR codes definitely because we went to a restaurant just the other night. You had no choice. Oh yeah. There were no menus. Most of them are like that now. I, I hadn't seen that where you had no choice. Mm -hmm. you, I, I'd been to places where you had to request a menu if you wanted one. But this place did not offer menus at all, period. No, oh, I know it's interesting that you say that. I, you know, I've always, I haven't gone to a lot of restaurants, but the ones that I have, they've all had that. They've all had the QR code on some sort of either on a, a placard or the, a piece of paper that was taped to the table yeah. in some cases. And I never thought to even ask. It's like, uh, yeah, this is great. I can zoom in with my terrible old eyes. I can zoom in and see see the text better. Yeah. It's so great. I find myself always looking at situations from the business standpoint, from the business owner standpoint or the business mm -hmm. manager standpoint. The, the codes are great for uh, contactless ordering. You don't touch menus. You don't have to worry about sterilizing them and all that. But think about the process of developing a menu for a restaurant owner. You can, you, that menu can evolve so much easier and better that way. You don't have to worry about printing new menus or putting in a specials card or, you know, those, that's all expense and it's all training the waiters and, and all that stuff. All that is an expense that goes away. It does. I mean, there's still an expense depending on who's doing it certainly when when you're doing daily specials someone has to uh i mean there's obviously yeah, updating a website is a lot easier than than printing out a new menu card theoretically it should be yes that is and cheaper theoretically it should be that is true i i don't remember if it was in this article or i saw it somewhere else but there's been some discussion i should say about the idea that many restaurants I want to say high-end, but not necessarily only high-end now that I think about it. They, the menu is sort of a reflection of their brand. The physical menu used to be a reflection of the I brand, see where you're going. Yeah. how it was printed, the, the paper, the, yeah. the, the font. font. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that certainly still can appear on a, on a web But I get it that the, it loses something. something that's connected to the brand. Yeah, yeah I get that. Right. It loses something in the translation. Yeah. I mean, going back even pre-pandemic, I, I think I can remember that far back at this point. But I know that a, that there were a number of places that had moved like wine lists from physical, you know, some wine lists at a, at a, at a good restaurant that has an extensive uh, wine cellar. Those wine lists could be fairly large volumes, right. physical right. volumes. And I know a, a number of them went to applications that were on a, on a, like a tablet, an iPad, they would, you, they would come to you and give you an iPad and, you know, I, I'm obviously pretty tech comfortable. I don't want to say savvy. I'll say comfortable. I think I'm savvy enough to get through most things, but certainly comfortable with tech. And there was something about that, that I didn't like. I think now I would certainly rather, I guess I could look at it on my phone, I, I guess with a QR code. Yeah. All right. So I think those are interesting, sort of hopefully entertaining insights that we found relating to end of year trends, a little lighthearted 
Christmas and holiday data that we found. And I think we'll wrap the year up with that. We'll come back in 2022. Wow, it's crazy that that's the number we're up to with some more uh, insights into guest and customer satisfaction. Hope everybody has a wonderful holiday season, whatever, whatever holiday you are celebrating, as well as a happy, healthy, and prosperous new year. And we'll see you shortly. Happy holidays, folks.